Hello everyone and welcome back. Dan Croydon came in for the Chuseok special and sat down with us to discuss Korean football or soccer, depending on where you're from, and his unique connection to the K-League. We also talked work, family, and a host of other stuff. In the episode, Dan paints a picture of the football culture in his hometown. Uh, and it's interesting to me because the players on the team are kind of regarded as everyday approachable guys as they have regular jobs and lives outside or off the pitch. It's such a contrast to how we see sports stars at home where you know everything's larger than life and athletes are put on pedestals for all of us to admire. Uh, have a listen. There are a few good laughs in here too. Before we begin, I'd like to share a haiku poem that I wrote that is very relevant to this episode. <clears throat> Always overdressed, making a big impression, a full kit wanker. And a bonus haiku. I wrote this with Dan's hometown in mind. With an extra E, it distinguishes itself. A hero indeed. Hope you guys enjoy. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life. Today with us is blogger, columnist, K-League superstar, <laughs> Dan Croydon. Welcome, my man. Hello. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. It's great to uh, great to have you here. I know today's big topic is going to be soccer and I'd like to share... <laughs> That's um, football. Oh, I did it already. <laughs> I did it already. I made the made the you cardinal mistake. You can say soccer as much as you want. Yeah. The, <laughs> I've been what, what, what do the general... And we we laugh and we know you call it we know it's football but what do you what's the general feeling of, of calling it soccer? I, there's a there's people online who seem to take real you know affront to the idea of calling it soccer but in, in it doesn't general, bother me at all. But not you in general. I think, in Europe uh, or the I UK, there's a certain snobbery in Europe that we like to call it football. Okay, and so I would I would only call it football. Sure, but I think yeah. it's I think you it's can pretty, call it what you want. I think it's pretty fitting that. Uh, this morning, while preparing and, and reading notes and, and the topic list for today, my son did a cartwheel and soccer catered football kicked me right in the nuts. It was, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it was, it was awful, but very fitting for today. And happy Chuseok to me in my in my ball sack. Yes, happy Chuseok. <laughs> yeah, happy Chuseok. No doubt. Uh, I got a I got a quick one for you. I've known you for a number of years. We worked together for a few years. I've never heard of you playing soccer. Or football, just always interested and knowing all the stats and the people, the guys, all the. But I've never heard of you playing. Do you play at all? Did you ever play? Uh, well, yeah, I did play, but you can probably guess why I don't play anymore. Oh, no, I don't. I'm pretty bad at it. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a runner. You're in good shape. You're thin. Man, I, I thought you'd still be playing. Like, you might not guess that I play hockey. I mean, if you saw me walking down the street, most Koreans wouldn't think, "Hey, he's kind of athletic." Shido, but. I mean, I still play <laughs> hockey twice a week. And I think the mentality in Canada is that if you're really passionate about it, you'll keep doing it as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And the Koreans, for me, that's how I can tell that they're not real hockey players because they just play to a certain age or a certain time. They go, nah, I'll play till I die. It's in my blood. But for you guys, don't you? I think there's a lot of, a lot, the majority, I don't know, a lot of Europeans that grow up playing football that play forever. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So what, how bad are you? <laughs> Maybe I should get you some That's skates. 
That's the question. No, I'm the, the the other thing was was that um, I tended to I don't know have a bit of bad luck with injuries, things like that, doing my ankles in um, the you know playing eleven aside uh, in in Korea. It's uh, it kind of consumes your entire weekend as well. So basically, I played for my first two years in Korea. I was in Seoul. And I, I was on a team there. We played every Saturday in this one league. Uh, I helped, org- you know, found the team, organized the team. That's how and, I would uh, see you as that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, as I say, I was just getting injured a bit and finding that I wanted to do something else with my weekends. You know, I had a, at the time, I thought I had a limited time in Korea and I was just going to... The weekends I was just spending on a random playground in a middle school somewhere in Seoul mm. that took me a couple of hours to get to and back on the subway. I was okay at football. I, I, I joke. Um, I enjoyed it. Were you playing mostly with expats or Koreans? Yeah, just all expats. Because I know the Korean style for anything turns a one or two hour event into a whole day. Exactly. But I mean, they, it... it it worked out that way for us as well. So uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I just kind of, when I moved away, I moved down to, to well, I moved back to England first and then moved to uh, Bundan, just outside of of Seoul. And I think I just decided not to try and get into a team and just uh, Hang up enjoy my weekends. And yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever really hung up my boots. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll play football if it's, if it's there, but... How yeah. long did you move home for? I, I, I went for a year. I, I went back to, to school for a year. And then um, came right back? Well, yeah, I didn't know at the time it was only going to be a year. I went to, to do a master's and then I I met my significant other. Ooh. And that's when I decided to come back to Korea and, yeah, been here ever since. That was 2000, 2010. So when you go home for a year, do you look for a team to play for right away or no? When I went, the first thing I do, I get home, look for beer league hockey. Oh, where well, can yeah. I sign up? What can I do? <laughs> I put, yeah, that was probably the last team I played for when I was okay. in uh, in university uh, for that one year, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. But it, that was just you know friends playing five a side, that kind of that kind of football. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I I think you're right. It's never really been watching it and playing it has not really been the same thing for me. I think they're very two very different things. Um, for me, watching football is more about, um, I don't know, the kind of culture of, of, of watching a team, enjoying the sport, mm. everything that goes around it. Um, I've never been one of those that watches the game for uh, trying to imitate players or being particularly <laughs> interested in in players. Mm. I'm more interested in the team, in the, the culture, the, the support, yeah. that kind of side of... Uh, that kind of side of things. Maybe similar with me with hockey. I don't play at all, but really appreciate watching uh, <laughs> watching a game and winning all the pools. Losing money in the pools. Get out yeah. of here. <laughs> so so, the, so then, 2013. is is that what draws you to the the soccer in Korea, or because I'm sure the culture is extremely different than in the UK, as everything is in Korea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I find it kind of fun here. I hate watching football on TV. But I would love to go to matches in Europe just because of the hype and the culture, and I want to. I'd like to be a part of it. Um, we've been up to watch Brazil play Seoul or Brazil play Korea in Seoul before okay. the World Cup last time. If there's big matches, I want to go. When the qualifiers are here for the World Cup, we go, of course. Um, but what are the major? Maybe you can speak to the major differences between. I mean, 
the Korean soccer football culture compared to, and the national culture here is very different than the club culture, right? I mean, the whole country gets behind the national team, but the clubs, it seems like nobody cares. Or maybe it's because they're playing in these monster stadiums. So w- what is the difference? Well, when they play club games at home, they don't play in stadiums like they do here. Like Hyundai Tigers play in a 40,000 uh, seat capacity stadium. Yes. What about when the the Rovers <laughs> when the when the Rovers are playing? They're playing in a in a high school field in a You mean a, my my team back home? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's also in a very big stadium. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. What's Nate on about? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm saying here the stadiums are empty. Here yeah. it's 40,000 people and it's empty. Yeah. So that's the difference. At home, if you have 40,000 or 40,000 people, there's a pretty wild culture associated with that. I would like to mark it up to ticket price being cheap here, but, or sorry, being too expensive for the reason not people not going, but it's cheap as uh, cheap as chips. So when you say you're interested in the culture, what is, what is the culture? Are you in a special subculture that, that the rest of us have no idea about because you're so interested in it? What is it like? All right. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of questions there, Mm. but yeah. Um, Basically, I'm a fan of uh, Ulsan Hyundai, and I have been since 2013. Basically, when, when I moved here to two years to less than me. Yeah. But yeah, I've, <laughs> going back, I first came to Korea 2007, mm. and yeah, I I was always I've always been into watching football. Specifically, I've always been into going to stadiums. You know, I like I like the idea of uh, attending a game and watching it and. Uh, Feeling the atmosphere in the stadium. Yeah. Uh, but then, to, why when there's no that? people, there's. Well, no hang atmosphere. on, we're getting there. We're getting there. We've, you've 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 asked me a, a, a twenty minute question, right. so I'll give you a twenty minute answer. Okay. So, <laughs> Tell them, DC. So basically, I came to a, and I thought straight away, oh, I want to go watch uh, the domestic league here. And up in Seoul, the they had a team, FC Seoul, at the. At the time, and you're right, the games are not very well attended. Mm. They FC Seoul playing the, the the biggest stadium in the country, sixty odd thousand that's seats. We, that's where we. That's the one that they uh, they built for the World Cup 2002, yeah, yeah. and they they put together a league, the K League, because of the World Cup. FIFA want you to have a, a strong domestic league mm. that you can kind of piggyback on these new stadiums that they build for the World Cup and keep that legacy going. Mm. But football in this country has never really been a kind of a as big a cultural phenomenon as it is in well, in in, in Europe and in, in South America and Africa and places. Mm. So yeah, the, the they didn't really have a, enough fans there and it didn't really catch my attention at all. But after that I I moved to to Daegu and that was very similar. They played in a huge stadium Mm. uh, with not many fans. But then when I came to Ulsan, I think I I started to appreciate the fact that I was going to be here for a a while. I was going to be in in Korea for, you know, I got married, you know, decided to settle down and settle down in Ulsan. Wife's holding the passport. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, I've I've got to give this a go. I'm going to start watching this team. And I, I realized that, yeah, this is, you know, fair enough. It's not that many people that go to the stadium, but those that do really enjoy it. And for me, the, the major problem is that they've got these huge stadiums, 40,000, as you say, here in, in, in Ulsan. Mm. 
and they can probably sell 5,000 tickets for people that are really into it. Mm. And then families that go along might take that up to 10,000. Mm. I think that's a, a decent amount of people to watch a professional sports team, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It's just the fact that they are using the legacy of the World Cup. Mm. They're using these stadiums. They want to have some use for them rather than have these white elephants like you see in, in Brazil. Which is which is the problem with the Olympics, the World Cup, etc. Exactly. exactly. They shouldn't they should never be built in the first so place. So the the interesting thing is that uh Daegu, I said before when I lived in Daegu, they played in the uh the World Cup stadium there. Yeah. And that's around fifty, fifty thousand, something like that. It's in the middle of nowhere. And they were getting two, three thousand people if they were lucky mm. into that stadium. But the local government, they're a government, um, government-owned team. They're, you know, they're supported by the city hall. They decided to build a, a specific stadium mm. for their team, twelve thousand seats, perfect size for. And this they sell out every week. Before yeah. COVID came along, the last season they, you know, more than tripled their attendance. Mm. By building a smaller stadium. Because it's intimate. There is a cult. There exactly. is a, an atmosphere. Arenas at home are, what, 16, 20,000? Hockey? Yeah. The Jets, I think, is, yeah, 14 or 15 and up to 22 maybe in Tampa. And that's, yeah, pre, pre-COVID, pre that's a that's a cozy cozy atmosphere. Yeah. But that's hockey. I mean, you can't have them much much bigger than that for hockey. Yeah. I mean, mm. So, yeah, I think I think the culture does exist here. It's it's a newer thing. You know, the football is not as ingrained Um Ulsan's one of the oldest teams. It's founded in 1983. Mm. You know, whereas my team back home, Blackburn, they were founded 1875. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've been they've been playing in that area, yeah. and they can track back their history generations. You know? That's... We're we're the only team to win the FA Cup three times in a row, and we mm. did that in the 90s. Whoa. 1890s. 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the second stadium here in Ulsan, how big is it? Dongcheng Chaeguan. Uh, yeah, they, they played there last season. That's uh, 20. I think just under 20. Because 19, that's a 000. much more intimate setting. That's a much more... Uh, you just feel so much more connected to the game, the people and everything. I really enjoy watching games there. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the problem is there that it's not football specific. There's a, there's a huge running track right. around mm-hmm. the edge. Football... Ideally, you want to be right up against the pitch, like you are at stadiums in yeah. England and, and France and places like that. I love I love the feeling of getting your ticket, walking through the gate, going up, and then you know when uh, as soon as you walk through and the whole uh, field present or the pitch presents itself. Oh, that's a it's a great feeling. Yeah, man. that's what I'm talking about. And to be honest, mm. I think my love for Ulsan has kind of grown as my connection to my team back home has has kind of disappeared. Mm. I wouldn't say disappeared actually i would say you know it, it's faded it's hard to watch games you know I, what i can't understand is that korean people would rather wake up at 1 a.m <laughs> yeah to watch to, to watch some team that they don't seem to have any connection with mm. uh like chelsea for example you yeah. know these big english teams watch them at 1 a.m on a sunday morning but <laughs> but they won't go for like a, a three o'clock on the af- in the afternoon to watch their local team for me it's always been about supporting the local team a football team for me is is part of the one of the biggest parts of a, a town or a, a city's identity yeah i think that's what i i've learned from 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 england you know my i say my team's blackburn but actually my hometown 
is bit outside Blackburn, about 20 What's minutes. Area, so is isn't that illegal to called... support Blackburn then? <laughs> illegal? <laughs> I thought you could... It's called Clitheroe, but they play in like the, let me see, maybe the ninth tier, mm. the ninth, nine divisions down. Mm. And, you know, they, they but they, they'll still get an attendance of about 300, 400 people. That's that's crazy, and it's probably the same or, or reg- relatively the same crowd that goes every week. And I love when we go to the Hyundai games. There's always the drummers from each, from each, uh, from each team. Yeah, mm-hmm. they sit they sit opposite each other and tuk 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 tuk. That's right. awesome. But um, I'd, I th- I think I'd liken it to a little bit like going to church. You know, it, it's like if you're in um, if you move to a place, mm. you've got to go find that local church and mm. even if it's a tiny one you still feel like you have to go there and, yeah, and yeah. if you hang if you hang out in the bathroom too long some weird old guys in the coming <laughs> i haven't been to church for a long long time <laughs> but um I will be good. but you know it, it's it's it, every every town every hamlet has got a team and if you want to watch live football you can you can go along and watch so when i settled down in ulsan i realized yeah for for better or worse, whatever happens, even if they play in this cavernous mm. cavernous stadium, mm. uh, I should still go along and uh, support Ulsan. For the the smaller teams at home, do they scout lots of local talent? So guys who grew up in that neighborhood play for play for that team, or is it just a, a draw? From yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely um, more local because they're you know they're 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 part time. Mm. They train. Maybe twice a week and play on the weekend. Oh but yeah, okay, yeah. They're so not professionals. Ah, they, okay, okay. Yeah. So they, they might travel a bit, but it's like a men's league or something. Yeah, exactly. But they're Top-tier they're league. getting paid a little bit. Cool. But uh, they'll be under contract, so, but they'll be part time. Mm-hmm. He he mentioned church there, or, or you mentioned kind of like going to church. And my whole life, all I done is played hockey. I mean, I played lots of sports, soccer when we were very young, and, and we enjoyed it. But there's too much winter; it's too cold in Canada. Hockey's the way to go. Until I moved to West Africa, and clearly there's no hockey there, and there's not even road hockey or sticks. There was nothing. And the kids would play uh, with anything they could find. If there was garbage, they would find some old clothes, wrap it up, make it a ball. And who's the who's the guy that just uh, got caught with the cracked iPhone? And You see Ooh. this guy? Sadio Mane. Yeah, yeah. Mane. And he, from Liverpool. I mean, he's, he's amazing. I love that guy. And didn't know who he was until last week, and now he's, he's awesome. <laughs> but he said, why would I care about my phone when I grew up starving? I never had shoes. I never went to school. That's where I lived in West Africa. That's what it was like. And these kids would play with anything. If there was an empty Coke can, they could play with it for six months. There could be 10 kids playing football every single day with a Coke can. And it blew my mind that, you know, they're not worried about cutting their feet or anything. They'll play. Give them anything, they'll play. They'd wrap up old clothes or holy socks. They'd stuff them with garbage and they'd play. And that's when I started to appreciate soccer as, wow. It, you know, they say that's the only sport in the whole world can play. It costs nothing. These, and these guys showed me they play with anything. And that's yeah. when I started to see it as more of a religion. Because it, for lots of these people, it's the only thing they could look forward to. And I, I, I mean, in the UK, you got lots of things you can be distracted with. There, There's not a lot of, of light in a lot of places. But the kids can play football. The adults can play football. Every single day they can play. And they do. So when they have these little teams like Clitheroe, that to them is Chelsea. Clitheroe to them is Chelsea. When there's a high school match, the whole village comes out. And it might be 500. It might be 5,000. 
but they're ready to kill people. Like they're they're that into it. And it reminds me of Braveheart or something else. And like, this is crazy. I'm in this little village, and they're treating this like the Champions League final. <laughs> but that's all they had to hang their hat on. That's all they had. And that's when I really got into football. Mm-hmm. Was in West Africa when there was nothing else to do except that. So my father came over, and we ended up getting going to Kumasi to watch the Ashanti Kotoko Porcupine Warriors and the Accra Hearts of Oak, which were the two teams that were in a stadium disaster in uh, the late 90s and killed a whole bunch of people in Accra. Anyways, we went to the we had t- we were going to the final match in Kumasi. I just didn't know how to get tickets. And this is not internet. There's none of this stuff. No smartphones. This was 2000... Tickets? You don't need tickets. 2002 or three. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we went there and I said, let's go tonight and get the tickets. Mm-hmm. And we went and they said, there's no tickets. They won't sell Bang. them until, <laughs> until tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean? Like, the, it, the game's tomorrow. If we sell them tonight, everybody will go and make extras and we'll have 500,000 people in a 60,000... Person stadium, <laughs> and it'll just be chaos. So we don't release them until three hours before the game. So we went there at like nine in the morning, and lined up, and the lineups were miles long, all over the place, miles long. And Sunday's a church day, and lots of them go to church. But if their football team's playing, nobody's going to church. <laughs> and they skip it. That is their religion. That's their house of worship. That's their house of prayer. And man, these lines were huge. So we get in line and they say, oh, Bruni, oh, Bruni, come come to the front. Oh, wow. And I had a whole kit. And I, listen, I'm not a football guy, but I had a whole kit, top and bottom, like an Alhaji. Do you know what we call that? What? We call it a full kit wanker. <laughs> <laughs> then I was a full kit wanker. But the game was being played in Kumasi and I supported Kumasi because when they played in my village. You wanted a game, didn't you? You Everybody, coach. Listen, this, everybody would huddle Someone around. Rolls an ankle. He's, he's got his hand up. Everybody would huddle around. This story is going to be too long, but it's good. Everyone would huddle around the radios. If they scored, they'd jump in the taxis and drive up and down the main street, 500 meters back and forth, honking the horn, waving their flags. And you just jump on the roof of any car, in the trunk of any car, and go for a tool up and down the road, honking and squealing. So we got our, we got in line, get up to the front, get our tickets, and said, "Okay, now we got our tickets. Let's." Go and get something to eat or whatever. I said, no, no, no. You have to go in. You can't leave. You get your ticket and you go straight in. I said, but it's 9 o'clock. The game doesn't start till 12 or 1. What the hell are we going to do? So we went and sat. The stadium doesn't have seats. Just concrete. Just the concrete part because people rip the seats off and throw them on the field. Yeah. So it's just concrete. So we sat there for four hours. But the stadium was jam-packed by 9.30. It was, it was sold out. You couldn't move. The stairwells, everything. We were just laughing like, what are we going to do here? It's already 36 degrees and we got to sit here four hours, three hours till the game starts. Anyways, no bathrooms. No women. They have a trough around the fence, around the, the edge of the state. The, yeah. What do you call it? Pitch. Here's the, here's the pitch. Uh-huh. And then there's a trough around the pitch. Okay. So you don't miss a minute of the game. You just hobble down to the bottom and you have a squirt watching the game, and the whole stadium is watching. I tell you, you that will stop pitch invasions, right? It's like yeah. a, it's like a moat. <laughs> that, that's, moat around that's the what pitch. Piss moat. But that's what it's like. Ulsan has one, right? Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. for security reasons. But there, it's security and the urinal. Well, yeah, there you go. You don't miss a game, so you got like a thousand guys taking a leak the whole game. There's always the whole time. Security guys get a badge and rubber boots. When you wanna, when you wanna buy something, you crumple up your one dollar bill whatever CDs, 
from the top, you throw it down and it keeps hitting people, keep throwing it down. And then she throws your water up, up, up. Because there's no stairs. The people are sitting everywhere. You can't sit anywhere. You can't come up the stairs. Wild. So they just walk on the bottom. Water, water. <sighs> throw your money down. They throw your stuff up. And every, it's a collective effort to get everything there. Wild. Anyways, that was that was what got me really into football because it was a really strong cultural experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the juju pots and they're mixing all their concoctions and telling me there's juju magic. And Anyways, from then on, I've taken a lot more interest in football. Mm. I think, but if you go back far enough, Nate, in Canada, you've read the book, The Hockey Sweater. Yeah. That's, that, that seems what you're describing there is almost the same, almost the same thing where, are you familiar with the story? No, no, it's, I'm not, no. It's just an old story that guy wrote from like very rural Quebec. And he talks about how kids lived, he said like we lived, I can't quote it exactly, but we lived in three places, the school, the church, or maybe our homes, maybe four places and, and the hockey rink. And he's like, when we're in church, we're thinking about hockey. When we're at home, we're eating dinner with our family. It's like, when's the next game? In school, they're making little plans, you know, whose moves they're going to copy or whatnot. Mm. And that sounds almost like what you're, that small town feeling. Oh, so, it's interesting you say uh, copy moves, because I think I think one of the attractions is definitely the, of football and yeah. hockey as well. But I think maybe specifically football, as you say, it's so cheap to play or, or pretty much free or yeah. you can play anywhere is that you can in your mind really easily imitate the best in the world you know yeah. it's like kids do with superheroes mm. but you know if you hit a ball right and it hits the back of the net that's the exact same feeling as someone like Sadio Mane or mm. or a junior yeah, at, yeah. A, at Ulsan, I'll mention an Ulsan player. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's the exact same feeling he gets. So that accessibility and that feeling of of being as powerful as you know the, the best players in the world, I think that's what yeah. attracts people initially to to football. Mm. Just its accessibility like that. Yeah. Sure, and that's I, I never thought of it as the global sport until I moved to Africa and realized that there is nothing else. Right. But every well, the, kid in Africa can play, can the, play the other side of it, of course, is that it, I say it substitutes religion in a way, but it also substitutes uh, war. You war, know, yeah, war it's, family, war, it's, everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tribalism. It's your team yeah. versus another team. It's getting one over on the, the town next to you, you know? So it's it replaces, you know, football isn't unique in this, but... It's certainly the probably the strongest example of that. I but think. Re- it it is it is religion, man. What's the what is religion like? You you, you believe in something. Believe in something. You're meeting the you're meeting people. However, however it certainly often, fulfills you're... all of the less the spiritual side of it, but it fulfills all the the kind of community Absolutely, of a yeah. of a church. Is the same feeling. <laughs> those games. A stadium. Are, those ga- I went to the Africa Cup qualifiers, maybe. And anyways, they, they also have a spiritual side there because they do so much praying and so much black magic and all, they got a whole other side of it that I was like, whoa, you guys are way too serious. Like, <laughs> but when you talk to them and hear the reasons or, or how some of these guys got here or I had to skip my sister's wedding because I wouldn't be able to get in if I came after the wedding. Right. You're like, huh? But that's how much it means to them to watch their team in the final of a big match or whatever. Right. That's what I would like to see in Europe is just to feel that passion. Well, I think of the you wild mean in Korea. 
in, in Europe. No, it is you want to experience. That. No, I want to feel that in Europe. Like, oh, you want to go that because out. hockey. We don't have that, man. It's not in college hockey in the states. In junior hockey in the small towns, it's like that. The whole town comes out. I mean, I, I played there. I loved it. Fifteen hundred people, two thousand people, and and you are a superhero. And they come and they're they want you to kill the other team. I mean, it's like that. But the part I'm not used to is seeing all these guys in their shirts and ties and pea coats, and they look like proper businessmen and stuff, and like they're they're dressed up nice, and then they're chanting and singing and doing all these war chants at the games. I I love that, mm-hmm. and we don't see that. The guys in Canada that go to the games are, hey, sit down and shut up and quit dumping your beer on me. Ah, well, in- England's getting more and more like that. And, well, Europe in general, the, the money involved and the people who can actually afford to get into the right, stadium. How much, how much tickets. is the ticket go for? Uh, well, for a big for a team like uh, like Chelsea and a well, team like... yeah, the top teams you can probably if you wanted to get a ticket for a one-off game or mm. something, you're probably paying around. Uh, sixty to seventy pounds, I think now. Hundred bucks, which is That's yes, pretty good. Something like that. Oh, yeah. God, the Leafs are the worst team in hockey, and you can't get a ticket for less than two hundred. Listen, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not the worst team in hockey. We just got the highest played <laughs> players who never produce. Oh God! But hey, but for me, know? that's wrong. That's that's you know that's pricing people out of. Uh, of going to it's a nobody team that, that actually, they actually support. Right. You know? That's the that's the terrible part of it. Yeah. The uh, when you're saying about <coughs> Nate's got the Rona, the <laughs> the uh, when you're saying about kids making uh, footballs out of out of socks stuff to a stuff, I remember so clearly, man. World Cup 2010, Maybe. was it 2010? South Africa. Well, there Here was one in 2010. Yeah, there Germany. was one in 2010 in South Africa. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. The uh, one of my students, man, his because it was um, it was World Cup time. His mom bought him a soccer ball. And he uh, he was so choked during class. He was like, I wanted the, I think it was called like a bazooka or something like the official ball. He's like, this is shit. Like, I can't believe she had the audacity to buy me like this, this knockoff Adidas ball. I wanted the <laughs> official one. And I was like, dude, you're missing the whole point. You're never going to use this thing. It's just going to sit, it's going to sit in your room and do nothing. But that's, no, the, that's the difference, right? The best like, footballs are those that you've used so much and kicked against the wall so many times. They're like bald, right? Yeah. The plastics come off the outside and you've just got pure leather. Yeah. That's absolutely. the way it should be. How how do you see, like every kid, at, not every kid, but a, the only thing they do play at recess in Korea is soccer. Mm-hmm. Like every school you can see kids playing soccer at recess. And it's not all of them, but it's a lot of them. And there might be two or three, four games going on in one pitch at a time. So they have the interest as kids. I think they look up to the Song Min's and these guys. They they have the role models, but one, lots of them don't care to go to the games here. But two, there there's no feeder development stage, grassroots stage of the of developing the game. Do you find that? Do you know anything about I sports, I sports, major no, sports, but they they have lots of like you have to pay kids. huge money to go to those things. When I grew up, mm. we played. It was like twenty five bucks for the season, three months, practice twice a week, play every Saturday, and the coaches were all volunteer. You got a popsicle after the game, but it was for everybody played. Every like Mugadong would have a league, and there'd be twenty teams. Everybody practices twice a week. Everybody plays on Saturday, and it costs nothing to do, to run. I mean, all these schools have free fields to play. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't really know a lot about. Maybe I'll find out more about it if you and my son decides to uh, to get into the you okay. know, the whole thing. But I'll get Tony over there teach him the the spinning wheel kick that I got. <laughs> but no, I think there's there's no shortage of of Korean 
players, you know, I think they develop a lot of players. As you say, kids play it. But know, in I, comparison to, to Europe or even, I think, even in Canada. No, what I think, you, what I think you're getting at serious. is that, you know, schools here, elementary school level, I, I don't really know, to be honest, but I get the feeling that there's not a lot of school-centered sport it's there's, more Hagwon-centered the value, sport. The value right? system's different. Right? You know, it's it's Hagwon-centered. So yeah. if your kid's into that thing, you've got to pay and take him to the, the, the Hagwon after mm. school. Mm. There's, I think the schools here perhaps don't have that side to them, the kind of uh, right. sports um, after-school responsibility. Uh, they, they kind of pass that off on to Hagwons. And mm. you see that with... With music programs, you know, there's Everybody. not necessarily much of a music program in most schools. But that, but I mean, compared to home, we also have the private music classes. I mean, that's pretty standard. But just in terms of free, like we ours were community leagues, mm-hmm. like it would be the Mugadong Community Soccer League, Youth Soccer League, and the Mugo whatever Chengjiang or whatever would organize it, and it would be you coaching, me coaching, and him coaching because our kids play. We're not experts or good, but we know how to make them run and, and dribble a ball and whatever. And it just structured an organization where here, like my experience in elementary school here is that there's only eight elementary school soccer teams in the city. And if you want to play and your kid likes soccer, then you got to move them or register them at grandma's address or auntie's address and let them go to that school. Mm-hmm. And in middle school, there's only four teams. In high school, there's only two. Mm-hmm. And, and then they start to compete regionally or whatever. But they lack that structure to have the competition, I think, to develop. But it's a, it's a difference in values, right? They're... Like you said, they're more geared towards academics, and as they grow up, maybe they're more realist and say, "There's no job for me when you know not everyone can play for Ulsan Hyundai, and maybe they just want to move their life towards a you know towards a, a better prospect." But I think you're right. I I spoke to my wife about this. I said basically, you know what, what would you do if you uh, and turned out to be really good at football or turned out to be really good at a sport Mm. and i think she's kind of skeptical in that she she basically you know intimated to me that that would be the one thing that he did you know it would be at the sacrifice of academics Mm. so as you say there's like four big middle school teams Mm. because there are four teams worth of kids whose parents are like my kid's good enough to make a career out of this let's go for it if you're not going to be good enough to make a career out of it i think the parents tend to steer them away and that's that's maybe maybe that's a good thing then why i mean it could it could be but you're definitely letting some kids fall through the cracks but but as no, you say, that just caters to the rich maybe as you say they're playing football anyway at break time so the kids are Happy enough. And, but I was just yeah. like, but why is there not? I, I think there's so much you can learn from from sports. I've heard you give. I, the, I agree. You've given the the speech before about leadership and and you know being a good teammate and and whatever. discipline, work ethic, everything. Yeah. Absolutely, decision yeah. making. But that and you see it here with in gym classes in their PE classes where it's there is very little sport played. It's more of individual. I, I again. Down to values. I don't think they they value that. And as you grow up and get older, man, I think people can derive a lot of pleasure from, like you said, uh, you play on the uh, on the hockey team. But here, it's just I don't think it's part of the value system. Like there's very structured men's football leagues here, mm-hmm. like just at the Tewa or whatever. But I don't think there's any of that for youth, right? Yeah, and yeah. and yes, they are academically focused, but 
Yeah, I guess it, it's a whole shift. Yeah, I think it's basically, if you're going to just boil it down to the, the, the basics, I would say, in my experience of observing Korea, living here for a while, kids don't tend to have hobbies. Hobbies are for 40-year-olds who have got a job and they've got to a point where they can spare, they feel that they can spare time. Yeah. 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 And before that, it's just do your studies and yeah. get into soldier. Yeah, it's, it's aimed at success at whatever you... You've decided to be successful at. You've got to put all your time into that. How, how much? How much would it cost to play youth football at home? I, I don't mean to. I mean like until you're eight or nine years old. And I know some guys are pretty serious already, but just playing in. How much would it road. cost you as a or your parents as a child if you were good at football? Nothing. Yeah. I don't think nothing. In Clitheroe, you just join the Clitheroe Youth Soccer League. Yeah, sure. Play whatever, and you don't pay anything. I don't think so. No, no. You have to, you've got to wear boots, but. Like Sorrells, and there might be a <laughs> there might be a bit of membership, maybe a little right. bit, but you know we're not talking any more than a hundred pounds a year. Oh, it's the same. That's same awesome. At home, yeah. yeah, but if you think of hockey at home, I mean, but we got to rent the ice and everything else, and it, it now at this the cost of just regular sports is getting crazy at home. But I think that's yeah, yeah. that's important is to have those grassroots where you can just. If you want to play, you can play and you can grow and keep but going. But you're asking me, and I've kind of said already that I'm not, I was never very good at football. I get the feeling that you've played hockey at a lot higher level but than I've ever played football. But at. that's in the UK. If you came to Canada, you'd be the best player. <laughs> ah, no, no, no. I don't know if you've seen this guy, Alfonso Davis. Amazing. Have you seen him? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he Ghanaian? He's a, well, Ghanaian. Right. Um, Canadian. Canadian, yeah. yeah. He moved there when he was eight. No, he's just one of the highest-paid guys and most well-regarded. Well, he's going to be one of the highest-paid guys. I don't know what contract he was on at Bayern Munich, Bayern but yeah, Munich? he was. Uh, he was, I think, nineteen years old, um, or he still is nineteen years old. But he came through a couple of years ago. Vancouver Whitecaps, Whitecaps, and now just won the Champions he's, League. He's the an biggest, amazing, amazing story. Yeah, the biggest trophy in the world. He's won it, and uh, his girlfriend is a Bayern big Munich. capper for the national team, for the women's national team. Oh, is she? Yeah, I didn't know that. And she's also very. Very popular. But yeah, this is at like 19 year old, so yeah. bright future for the for the Canadian now. And he's team. Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would have thought? Yeah. He didn't even show on the, I, I did hear on his first day he showed up wearing skates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're making big strides. So back to your your involvement in the K League. You are a, a popular local blogger or, or reporter, analyst, columnist. Tell us a little bit about what you do with the team. Thank you for power. saying I'm popular. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been recognized yet. But no, I basically, uh, once I got into football and moved to, to Ulsan, uh, I was contacted by a guy up in Seoul who had a, a blog. He put together a whole bunch of uh, bloggers who, 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 who write about their, their team that they're into. And he called it K-League United. And he, he made a website and basically... Uh, writing match previews mm. um, ahead of each of the, the K-League games, trying to get a, a writer for each team in both leagues, mm. K-League 1 and K-League 2. And I, at the time, I wasn't writing anything, but I think I was on Twitter and just writing my opinion about the game. Yeah. And he contacted me and said, did you want to write for uh, for us about Ulsan? So I, I said yes, and... Yeah, ever since then, that was 2017. Ever since then, I've uh, basically been writing a preview once every couple of weeks 
uh, for this website, K-League United. Um, and that happened to coincide with the website getting a lot more popular. It's. I don't want to toot my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the, the thing is, it's got a lot more popular uh, this year specifically because of, of COVID. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe people know this, but K-League was the first league to come back after the the big spike after you know everything mm. in in february right um across europe the south america the lot every league finished or was suspended mm. just before the the you know the the big climax which is usually in the spring may or when you say climax June. it's already <laughs> popping into my head about the about the dolls the that they had dolls. in the- <laughs> yeah that's what i was okay. say. i'm pretty sure the whole world learned about k-league after soul fc had the sex dolls in the stadium we'll, we'll come to that we'll Nate, come call, to that. It, call it what it is the premium mannequins <laughs> premium. <laughs> so you do follow it a bit <laughs> The best euphemism. That's that's 2020 <laughs> euphemism of the year, man. <laughs> Premium mannequins. <laughs> but yeah, they they, you know, everyone was uh, was was shut down. Every league was shut down just before this. And the K League is slightly unique, along with with Japan and a couple of other Asian leagues, in that it starts at that time. It starts in March. Mm. So it was only delayed a little bit, and K League came back first uh, in the entire world. You know. Mm. Uh, Actually, I think there was one league playing in Belarus or something. They got Zero, some. They, they got never, some attention. They never stopped. Right. They I'm got, pretty sure Belarus was famous for stop. not stopping. I think you're right. Yeah. But they, they basically, they, the, the K League was the first league to come back, and I think the first game they showed on YouTube for free yeah. for everybody. So, I think something ridiculous like. 20 million people around the world were no watching way. this YouTube. Smart, smart marketing. And we were the only English language um, people <laughs> writing oh, about this right. league. So the preview for that game on our website was, you know. Massive. Wow. The, 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 the viewership was right place the at the right time. The people, the people reading that, are you putting previews out for people gambling on the on the game? I wouldn't say that would be what I'm aiming for. Oh no, I, no, not not you in specific, I think but I those mean the readers. People that are reading, I yeah. think there's a decent number that are following the league because they're betting on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. Yeah. And you that, think that those people in- are local or international? Well, there, there's no betting in Korea, right? Well, sure, there is Toto. <laughs> Sports. Well, football. no, no, no. They're, they're not reading about it in English if they're Korean and playing Toto. That's what I mean. So, who? But there's foreigners that play no, Toto. No, uh, I think uh, we get a lot of people from Europe, South Asia, places like Singapore. Oh. Uh, people who can, you know, English is a language and yeah. also that they, they, they bet on sports. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've got enough people that are also just interested in international leagues. You know, nerds like me that just kind of like following football Andy from, Andy from checks around in the world. Andy checks in twice a week man right from from Ikaluit and Ikaluit Equalute what do you say Ikaluit Equalute we'll check out <laughs> the uh, uh, oh what was he going to say he threw me off there the, anyways uh, I, I think there is like and I, I try and check it like just because this year we haven't been allowed to go to the games I don't know what the situation is now but usually it's a great time to go to the games and we haven't mentioned but Part of the thing here is tickets are cheap. Yep. Beer, beers are still two dollars at the stadium. Oh, absolutely! A, a nice Sunday afternoon. I mean, and pre-game, you, they got activities for kids. You can go and spend two hours before the yeah. game even starts. Yeah, this is my only issue: is 
the stadiums are too big. If they if everybody played in a stadium like Daegu does, yeah, sounds you know, ideal. And I think you you'd have a lot more following and, and a lot more atmosphere. But mm-hmm. even at the big one here, I mean, I think it's fun to go to the big stadium and say, "Wow, this place is huge," but it, it loses the intimacy. But it's cheap. There's a lot to do. Um, the beers are cheap. The food is cheap, and it's a good, easy place to spend an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like checking in. Ulsan was good last year and the year before, maybe. And I was surprised a few weeks ago to find out they're at the top of the table again. And yeah, I check in periodically just to see what's going on and where they're doing or what they're doing. Because if there's a big game coming up, like they played, didn't they play Chelsea or someone here six or seven years ago? And I was like, those guys are coming to Ulsan? And it was the club team Champions League or something. Or Liverpool. And I was like, how the heck is Ulsan Hyundai playing Liverpool? This is like... You know, Bugs Bunny and, and Hollywood. I mean, it's... Okay, let's, let's get this straight. I think you're underselling Ulsan. Ulsan as a team mm-hmm. are probably in the top, I would say in the top 10 biggest teams in Asia, which is the biggest continent on oh, earth. They won the... You know, so in terms of uh, significance, this is a significant team. Right. You know, they might not get the attendance, but, Just you know, in terms, of, and... in terms of right. the competitions yeah. that Ulsan can play in, we can easily play... Um, you know, if we won the Champions League in Asia, which we have a very good chance of most seasons that we're in it, right. you know, then we get to play Barcelona. Yeah, Liverpool. that's what happened we're, that year. I don't on, know how many years ago. We're was, only but... ever about, you know, a run of 10 victories away from playing the biggest teams in the world. Right. Know? So, oh, wow. yeah, K-League's a big league. I, I I agree with that. Maybe maybe I undersell it because of, I think of the support and the fandom or whatever that, that lacks. But mm-hmm. I've been to lots of those big games. And I've seen lots of teams and I go, how are we playing this team? Um, and yeah, I, I've been to lots of those. So I, I, I fully agree with that. But it's funny in that I think also, you know, Teams like Liverpool, teams like Barcelona, they're oversold a little bit. Sure. You know, that in terms of money and everything, of course, they are the absolute elite. Mm. But all they are is a football club in their local community. Right. With superstar players. Of, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. With, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And I think what's cool about supporting the local team, too, is the chance that someone from that team is the next Song uh, Min or... In baseball, Yu Hyun Jin, you know, when you mm. watch them start as as um, right. as amateurs or or semi pro and go to the big leagues and getting on right. to North American sports a bit, I think mm. there is a little bit of a an, an idea that this you know that the pro sports there are a kind of closed community. That's there's how I feel. not relegation and promotion. Mm. You know, it seems like there's twelve franchises that can play each other. Mm. And if you're not one of those 12 franchises, you then they no... just don't meet. But it's... that's not the case in football. You know, anybody can play anybody and anybody can beat anybody. <clears throat> yeah. that, that is what I like about football or soccer is that it, it, it any given Sunday, isn't that an fo- American football movie? Yeah. yeah. But but I think it, about soccer and I think, shittiest team, hey, you got 11 and 11. Everybody's got a chance to win. Right. Your goalie stands on his head. We get a lucky bounce or a handball. A handball can happen any time in the box. Right. Well, this is a, a one of the... That's why the World Cup's cool, because upsets can happen any time, man. One of my favourite competitions in Korea is the FA Cup. Mm. And it's the same as in England. But, you know, Ulsan University, mm. right over there, yeah. they compete in that. And they are, you know, five games away from the final. Yeah. You know, they, could, they could play against the biggest team in Korea if they just put a 
put together a run however they do it you know so when you watch espn sports or, or whatever international sports and you see like Bayern munich's playing you know all sunday and you know, <laughs> never heard of that team what kind of competition is this of course it's going to be 10 nothing and then you go holy shit they won what happened they must have they must have taken them too lightly or whatever but i like those ones too where, where the underdog has do a they, chance when they're playing uh you said uh, you know one of the big teams in in versus a, a university team. Do they play their A players? Do, do, um, they, do they throw in the first line? Probably not. We were at the game last year, and I said, "How come the big boys aren't playing?" You said, "Well, they need to win. So if they're not winning by the last ten minutes, they'll put all the big boys in." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You called yeah. the. Were we at the same game? You called the game. You're like, uh, "Who's the guy in your junior?" Team? Junior and the growl. Yes. You said, I'll come on. I'll talk about him if you want. You said give it was. <laughs> it was. Like uh, the way maybe Nate can analyze hockey, you did that with a with the soccer game, and I went, "How did you know that's gonna happen?" You said, "You know, just wait. They're gonna put him on. They'll start pressing more. They're gonna score one goal. This is gonna force <laughs> the other team to, you know, to to be more offensive. And then Ulsan's just gonna end up blowing him out. And it was like three nothing. Yeah, three goals in about ten minutes. And I went, "What the hell? How did you know that was gonna happen? You called it perfectly. You caught me on a good day. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't hear all the times I got it wrong. Yeah." The um, but just speaking of playing the the B team, do you know anything? Was it Ronaldo that came last year or two years ago? And and everyone was up uh, in arms. Everyone was up in arms about him not play. playing his forty five minutes. Oh, uh, that was that whole thing was ridiculous. Well, who's uh, who's at fault for that? Is that the promoter for for blowing smoke up everyone's? Uh, well, you, I think it's you know depends how. There's there's plenty of blame to go mm. all over the place. Yeah. I think the whole idea was ridiculous. It's it was a an all star game, which for a start in football is just not a thing. We do an it every year in hockey. An all star <laughs> game. What the yeah. hell's that? You know, it was. <laughs> They're all stars. All the best stars are playing. Yeah, I know, yeah. but it's 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 certainly not a tradition in football. Yeah. But Kaylee put together their best team. Supposedly, of you know, picking team uh, players from various teams around the league to make this all-star team that have never played together, you know. But well, I guess, they, yeah, with eleven players, you might want to have some uh, some history together, man. right? Yeah. But they they put them up against Juventus, uh, you know, twenty odd times champions of uh, of Serie A in Italy, and uh, yeah, they played together at uh, this old World Cup stadium. But this was part of you know Juventus's. A journey around the world on right. some kind of preseason promotional tour, yeah. and they Sell just Ronaldo booked... jerseys to her. Exactly, yeah. they just booked too many games. Yeah. They were in China like the day before doing some mandatory Adidas promotion event, and then they, you know, flew over and tried to get to the from the airport to the stadium in about an hour, mm. which is just impossible between Incheon and, yeah. and Seoul. So they showed up an hour late. Kickoff was delayed. And then um, I think Ronaldo, you know, blatantly, he just uh, was a bit tired and just said, yeah, I don't really yeah, want to play let, this game. Let me risk injury for a game that means nothing. Exactly. <laughs> but it was written into the contract that he should play 45 minutes. You know, everyone had been show, uh, everyone showed up there expecting to be able to watch Ronaldo. Some... But for, I don't know, for, for people like me who support teams, not players, mm. I couldn't give a flying... Ratos. If uh, yeah. Ronaldo you, played or not. I don't know if you were around then or not, but I mean, I I used to follow a lot with Andy and we used to follow the Hyundai team and we'd go to a couple out of town games, whatever. But there was, 
there was the the, the old guy, the Messiah, the, the the new Jesus was in charge of. It might have been Jungkook Motors, and he would bring in the fanciest European clubs, and they would come play in Ulsan and and, and other cities. They'd come play three different teams here, and I remember watching a couple of the big European clubs in Ulsan and thinking. How does this guy attract these teams here? And it's just money. Do you remember anything like that or no? I don't think actually. To be honest, I, I've followed Ulsan since 2013 and not a lot before that. So I don't really know. It probably was a little bit before who, that. Who came along. But he was the Korean Jesus and he ran. He, he had his own cult and he ran one of the teams. Ah. Okay. When you're saying Korean, are you mean like football Jesus yeah. or like? No, like... Well, the, he was like a cult leader, but he owned the football team. Yes, quite famously, uh, the the Moonies, the Moonies had a, a very strong connection to uh, Songnam. Ah, yes, okay. Songnam because uh, they weren't one of the best teams when they were privately owned. Well, they used to be one of the best teams. But Song- he had all the best. Well, yeah, you had Jesus on your side. <laughs> I don't remember the story, but I'm going to find the newspaper article and I'll post it in the in the links after this. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the Moonies used to be. I mean, there's all kinds of. Uh, connections between you know uh privately owned teams here and and yeah churches and i think the cia the korean cia had a team for a while and yeah there's a, <laughs> there's some shady people involved over the years <laughs> where where do you see the future of your uh columnist blogger career going do you, do you see it now that many leagues are back teams are playing again has it died down and where do you see it going in the future do you think it's going to continue to grow or well, yeah, 20 million people aren't tuning into the K-League anymore. Right. So, yeah, obviously the dropped the website traffic's gone down. But I think um, the league is improving. Uh, and, you know, international interest um, has been, you know, increasing. Uh, our website, kleagueunited.com, has actually taken over the official uh, K-League Twitter account. Really? Yeah, so... Um, uh, because you said the Koreans don't use it much. Yeah, so that basically they had um, about 100,000 followers on this Twitter account that wasn't being used since, I don't know, mm. 2015 or something like that. Um, but all these um, people were, were still following it. So the guy in charge of the website, Ryan Walters, the guy up in Seoul who got me into the, mm. the whole thing, um, you know, he met with the, the league and said... You know, can we take over this account mm. and start posting stuff in English mm. uh, about the, the K-League for an international audience? They said yes. So, yeah, now, you know, goal highlights, game highlights, news, everything. Awesome. Oh, wow. Our website, we've still got the stuff through the official account, through mm. the, the, the K-League United account. But then we also tweet through uh, the K-League.com. Wow. Uh, and we, we write game previews for the official site as well and nice. so yeah they've we've taken over kind of the english side of uh the, awesome. the internet content for the league that's awesome that's huge it's cool to be a part i of... can't take much credit for this yeah. but yeah i you know i'm part of it yeah. but it must be cool to be a part of something like that and and making a difference and growing growing the league or growing it internationally I mean, I I take pride in the hockey and developing it locally here, but mm. it must feel good to be a part of something like that. Oh, definitely. I think, but I think it's it's the same thing for for anyone who's passionate. We've been lucky in a way that you know a, we've we've taken on these extra roles, and a lot of people seem to be engaged. But 
at the same time, I think we're successful because when we were blogging before, when we were writing previews before and getting 20, 30 views, you know, we were still as passionate about it right. at that time. Yeah. Right. You know, I remember all it is, is is a number on a screen. You know, I see my previews got, you know, in the in the thousands of views. I don't know, it, it's slightly diminishing returns. If it doesn't now hit that 5,000 right. mark, I'm yeah. like, oh, no what one's happened? interested in what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm as insecure as I was, you know, before. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if you're passionate about something... Uh, it doesn't really matter how many people are are watching it we or, spoke, or looking at it. Yeah, we spoke with Jason Teal yesterday, and he was saying the same thing. It's, um, you know, running Wilson online, it, it is almost a passion. It doesn't matter how much money he makes from it. It's just something he feels he has to do, and, and he enjoys it for the for the most part, I think. Right. I think those guys that are putting a lot of time into it, you know, for, for, for guys who run our website, it is a full-time job. Mm. Um, and they're not getting paid for it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's purely voluntary. Uh, but for those guys, I think, you know, they, they look at it as a way into that into that area professionally. Mm. Right. You know, if you can say that I've run this, you know, social media account. And if you and can that say that it's grown from 20 or 30 viewers to yeah. the thousands and, and it keeps going. And now you take over the league's Twitter account. I mean, yeah, you're going in the right direction. But yeah, if I can, uh, if I have the time and I decide to, to go that way, then yeah, it would be a good path to take. Mm. Um, do you guys, yeah. do you guys do only previews or do you do, do you analyze the games or post game shows or anything or just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we do. I mean, it's difficult at the moment because we can't attend the games as easily. We do, you know, if you, if we wanted to, if I wanted to, for example, I could go and watch the games right now on the press pass. You know, I'm on the mailing list for the for the press, and mm. I can go watch the games in a totally empty stadium. Um, you know, just a few other people uh, watching on, writing about it. But yeah, we do podcasts, we do post match. So I think we're not just previews. Is there any is there any collaboration with the Koreans involved in the social media and the covering of the league, or no? In what way do you mean? Anything Pr- promotions or, or pumping each other's tires or. Do any of the is there any of the Korean guys who are good at, good enough at English that you can you can share ideas or perspectives or that or is it kind of very segregated? We do well, the I English, mean, you do the Korean, and yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I'm not really privy to that because you know Ryan and uh, so the guy Matt and Paul they they're the ones that meet with the K League themselves and that kind of uh, interaction. You know they they organize things with the league. For me, I just out a, an article once every couple of weeks as as part of that. I don't really have much of a contact with Ulsan, the club itself. I know they've that's, got that's, a media say, officer. Do you do you have any connection to the actual players? Do they know who you are or? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, just from my online uh, <laughs> persona. Yeah. Look at his shirt. Eh? Well, nice well yes. So that's yes. what I mean. Do you have a personal relationship with the with the international players or? I've met a few of them, yeah, yeah. I've met a few of them over the years. For me, watching uh, any any professional sports, I feel there's a there's a divide between me. You know, if I'm watching a, an NFL game or or NHL, I feel like there's a there's a line that separates me, like common folk, from the from the professionals, and it and that makes it really special when I'm watching, even without audiences. When I'm viewing the games, I'm like, wow, this is this is something magical. 
being part of the of the website and and having contact with the team and in meeting the players is it still special for you or do you feel like you're you're kind of a part of the team or do you still have that kind of I don't know mag- not magical feeling but is it still special for you when you're when you're watching a game or do you feel like it's uh, it's kind of work and w- how do you feel when you're No when I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head in that one of the reasons I love K League mm is that it still feels like a, a kind of a small community okay. club. You still have that access yeah. when it's also... It's the top of the uh, of the football ladder here in Korea, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, whereas back home, you're right, there is that... Divide. Divide mm. between professional sports mm. stars. You know, they're more stars. Mm. You know, there's that kind of distance to the to the fans. Yeah. Um, but here, yeah, you can you can hang around after the game and meet them, and and I think you can even show up to to training and just go and watch them from the side of the pitch if you've that's got wild. the time on a Tuesday morning. That's but, uh, uh, that's that's wild, and that's something I've maybe even that that inspires the next generation of uh, of players that that they can have contact with the. Do, it's do it's you... interesting in that I've, the the international players that I've spoken to here, mm. and you know. Not just Ulsan, but also, you know, listening to interviews from other clubs and things. Mm. One of the great attractions to come and play in, in Korea is that there isn't that kind of crazy um, pressure yeah. pressure that you get in Europe or something. Mm. If you if you lose in, a I don't know, uh, let's say Greece or, or Scotland or, you know, with Spain, any, any of these leagues. Are you if talking about when loses... Baggio hit the, hit the, <laughs> the goalpost in the, in the World Cup? If, if your team loses and they see them, you know, fans see you on the street, they're angry at you, you know. That, mm. There's that kind of, there's that pressure on, on the stars and it can turn a little bit nasty, you know. Mm. It's like in hockey. A lot but, of guys don't like playing in Toronto or Montreal because no. they're always under the spotlight. But go to Nashville, Nashville or Phoenix, you can walk. Anywhere you want and go do it. Yeah. Around. Nobody cares. But you know, there's not. It's not the K League is ta- attracting big stars or anything mm. that want to escape that. But they are just attracting, you know, pretty good European players who just want a different experience yeah. with their family without that kind of constant pressure. Absolutely. And maybe it allows them to focus more and and get a, maybe they get another shot somewhere after. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think uh, for a lot of them. It's 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 interesting that they, the way they talk about why did you why did you come to Korea? They they all answer pretty much the same thing that we would answer. Why did you come to Korea? I wanted a new experience to see the world. I was see, a, I was a superstar world. in my hometown. I had to escape <laughs> depression. <laughs> they weren't necessarily big stars back in in Europe, but they just I mean me. they're using football <laughs> as a. You know, as a way to see the world, to experience yeah. different cultures, and I, I you think, know, I'm like, hey, that's you know, that's fantastic. I think baseball is also similar. There's a lot of guys who play in the the KBL here who have played a little bit, dabbled in the MLB at home. You know, got a bit wrong place at the wrong time, come out here, succeed out here, two three years, and then go back and get a new deal back home. Mm-hmm. But here, there's no pressure. You know, they they do whatever they want. They can relax. They can focus on their game. Mm get back into the groove and if they succeed enough they get another shot back home i think there's still pressure on the field you know these guys are you know real good professionals they still want to win every and i think it's mainly kind of off the pitch out of the spotlight yeah. like mm. the you, you know no, they can okay. walk down the street and uh they'll get recognized you know but 
Koreans just say their name and, and giggle and run away kind of thing. Boy, you know? Who are the biggest who are <laughs> the biggest guys that have come through? What what levels are we talking about? Because I remember you telling us about a guy who played for the US national team. Yeah, yeah. He Which was a, I mean that mm. that's as high as you get in, in the States. So what what kind of guys are we talking about? Yeah, Ulsan I think internationally mixed discarude. He played a couple of couple of years here in Ulsan. He was probably the the biggest star because he, he came through he was a bit of a darling of the US national team for uh for a couple of years there before he came here. But mainly, yeah, the the players aren't really, you know, the big stars. They I can't think of a big name, a big European name that has come over. We're mainly attracting Brazilians still. Right, lots of South America. A lot of Brazilians because um they just play a, a, a kind of football that is technically good enough. Uh, that can mix well with the Korean players. Mm. So Korean clubs love to sign Brazilians. Mm. Um, anybody coming over from Europe tends to be probably not in the top league. You know, I don't think there's many Premier League stars that have come over here. Right. Well, now they get to go to the States, right? MLS mm. has taken off and it's a good second option for those guys that have yeah. kind of played out their highlight years. And... Well, I mean, you, you're just not under the spotlight here at all. There's a player right now, Bjorn Johnson. He's a Norwegian-American, but he, he plays up front uh, for Norway. Uh, he, he got a few caps, um, scored a few goals probably last year. But in an interview recently, he said that, you know, moving out to Korea has actually affected his chances of playing for the national team because... The coaches just don't watch you as much as they would if you're in right. Europe. Mm. So, yeah, there is a bit of a sacrifice for your international career if you come over here. But again, maybe every player is different in what their career goals are. And if they want to just enjoy time with family, maybe the, oh, the international stuff doesn't even hit their radar. That's awesome. Mm. I never uh, I never thought that's why people would come to Korea. I thought it was last-ditch chance to play in a, in a professional league. No, no. But no, it's, a, it's no. a conscious decision to come get out of the spotlight, enjoy a little yeah. bit. That's cool, man. What do they What do they make? Do, is there, are their salaries public? I think the the top players for the top couple of teams, so for Ulsan and Jumbuk, they probably pay the, the most. And... Uh, uh, Seoul as well. Mm. I think they're top international players, probably earning a million dollars a year. No way. Yeah, that's a pretty. And good. the top Korean player, probably a bit more than that. I think uh, John Book just sold their uh, left back Kim Jin Soo. He was the top player in a uh, top paid player in the league. I think he was getting close to two million dollars a year. Wow. No way. I thought they maxed out at like two hundred grand. No, no. Oh wow, that's yeah. a that's a decent pull. Mm-hmm. That's a decent pull. For, I mean, again, for for being in a um, in a in a smaller league without all the pressure, you're pulling in two mil. You're doing all right. But then you know, there's there's this big divide in the K League between the 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 Chable teams, the Hyundai yeah, and yeah. Poscos, and mm. you know those guys are paying that kind of money. Yeah. Whereas the city clubs like uh, Daegu, like yeah. Incheon, places like that, they they're so much. top team, top international. Um, sorry, the top foreigner player. Probably on half of that, probably half a million a year. Yeah, it's still a lot of money for for living in Daegu, or you can live. Oh, in absolutely, Daegu, you can live a absolutely. Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a short career, you know. They they so so Ulsan only is, played to the thirty five or so. So Ulsan is the New York Yankees of of the K League. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Do New York Yankees keep losing? 
when, yeah. it, when it really matters. <laughs> oh, they did last I, year. From what I from what I know of baseball, they're the the Chicago Cubs, right? <laughs> the team that can't seem but, to win. Yeah, if your Brazilian buddies play next door for half the price, man, I'd be I'm trying to slip over to Wilson for sure. Um, so I was just going to change direction a little bit. You're you're blogging, writing, analyzing, whatever for that. Does your professional job also involves writing? Do they kind of go together or is it completely different? Well, that's one of the main reasons I agreed to start doing this blog. Um, I was, you know, teaching writing, trying to get other people to write well, uh, but I wasn't really creating anything myself. (laughs) I was criticizing everyone else's writing, you know. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my day job is uh, at the... One of the universities here, um, Institute of Science and Technology, and uh, I work in the writing center. So I basically I, I, I proofread and edit and mm. try and help people to get their articles published and that mm. kind of thing. And I realized I wasn't really writing myself, so I thought, well, yeah, I'll I'll sit down and actually try and force myself to write something. Practice what you preach. Exactly. I was telling these students, the only way to get better at writing is to write yourself. (laughs) Write every day. It doesn't matter if it's bad. Just put it out there. And then I realized, well, yeah, I better do what I'm... What have you written? What is this? (laughs) What is this? An interview? They say, go write something. Professor. But they like it. I checked your article and you plagiarized 62%. (laughs) (laughs) They put it through eternity. (laughs) Grammarly.com says... What... Uh, maybe just just tell us a little bit about that process of writing and and how it works in Korea. And I mean, we work together, and I always found the plagiarism to be fascinating. Here, it's just so common and so normal, mm-hmm. or, or it's been so normalized. Is have you been able to influence or, or impact that in any way? I think, to be honest, it's nowadays it's only um, those coming out of high school that have never written before that still. Don't really know about plagiarism. Like like they don't know copying is wrong? Yeah. I mean, are you talking about like cutting and pasting or... Oh, I'm talking talking about... um, Yeah. Like like in quote... I've got a... a, Well, we're expecting them to write an essay in English, like a thousand words. Okay. And they've come out of high school having never written anything in English of of note. Okay. You know, they've been, you know, working towards the sunum, which is all about trying to spot problems or, or yeah. the correct accuracy in other people's writing. Yeah, yeah. So we're asking them to create something. And so they find a source and they just copy and paste that and then maybe put their own little uh, spin on it. But Thesaurus.com. Yeah. A couple kind of synonyms here and there. Yeah. But not even, my not opinion, even that. Cop- not even... <laughs> this is why I think they, uh, some students don't know that it's wrong mm. because they don't even attempt to hide it. You know, they're not going on to the thesaurus.com and trying to... <laughs> Ignorance, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just, you know, you put it into uh, a plagiarism checking software, like yeah. turn it in, and it's just showing, like Nate says, 80, 90% is yeah. just lifted. In in my master's course now, too, I find a lot of people, again, just in the middle of their... They'll do a, their own introductory sentence, and then you read, and you're like, these, you know, the... The top of the paragraph and the bottom looks like yours, but this middle is like you can almost spot the difference or the the, the vocabulary that they're using. And again, just highlight it, throw it in a Google search. You're like, oh, you copied this whole. Oh, absolutely. Thing. Whole I mean, thing. I <laughs> I've got so good at it. I can just spot like a chain of five words that they didn't write. Right. I was oh. like, there's no way that 
from what I've read of your writing, that you can put that yeah. little that string of words five dollar words to fifty dollar words and, and yeah. back. Exactly, Some, exactly. Something happened here. But to be honest, I think they're learning fast. Graduate students in, in at Unist, mm. I haven't seen uh, any cases of of plagiarism. That's good. Awesome. There should yeah. be uh, there should be a uh, a very gentle you know uh, progression from if, if they are plagiarizing you don't smash them first year you you, right. you show them along right so, well, and that's and that's changed significantly since when i was working there because it used to be undergrads all the time and graduates and even professors i mean it was a it was a big big problem and well i mean i'm sure you can still find cases of some people who who sure but if the general the general the general thing that i see is that most people mm. are writing their own stuff and they just cool. need some help moving to, uh, in the right direction then to organize it better do you think that writing will be in the future as i mean whether it's with soccer or or whatever you're doing is that going to be the future for you always in writing or a lot of us have worked there and transitioned out of there into different things i mean i'm obviously still teaching but ben is is now into programming and stuff do you intend to have writing in the future and is, is that something you're committed to or are you still flexible and willing to well, if you'd have asked me, I don't know, a year or so ago, I'd have said definitely yes. But to be perfectly honest, during COVID, I've kind of realised that the writer's life is a bit too too quiet, Still. too too uh, too isolated. I, you know, I haven't been teaching that much for a while. But I was still getting to see people every day and mm. and uh, interact. interact. But working from home, <laughs> and then also just working in front of a screen, as you know, I, I had this idea that I would be a freelance writer and editor of uh, sitting you know, on just, the beach. Exactly, <laughs> but <laughs> you just if you don't get that human interaction, then yeah. you know the freelance life can easily turn into a real kind of yeah. isolated. You get that slight depression and that You're, kind of thing. I've had the same experience. I can only handle so much of my wife and kids and say, let me out of here. i got to talk to somebody. I so, need to interact with somebody. Exactly. I, I want to keep teaching as part of it. I do enjoy teaching. I think I was just a little bit what I was teaching, you know, university level, just basic English. Mm. I think I just kind of fell out with that a little bit right. That's and wanted to get into a more specialized area mm. but if i can teach writing and you know uh, this more specialized scientific writing mm. if i can teach that and still have that interaction with students yes. that would be the job that i'd, yeah. I'd want to do dc's master class yeah scientific kind of writing exactly yeah. but, how, to, how to take bribes and <laughs> and throw the uh throw the popular opinion of the game before well, it happens. i enjoy yeah all kinds <laughs> of all kinds of writing yeah yeah, scientific, but also, yeah, uh, fiction, I, uh, anything. Something anything. something you said w w um, when COVID first hit and we considered going online, should we start a website, should we do this or that? He, he was so strong as in, in his opinion of like, man, I need to see people. I can't just open a screen and, and talk to 30 people, close it down and, and, <laughs> so and stay terrible. in my... So terrible. Yeah, and that it kind of made me think like it is, it, it's fun and and rewarding and when you get that reaction if you're if you're joking or, or whatever story you're telling i love that i love that interaction too and it definitely was, i think yeah. anybody teaching over zoom right now teaching adults over mm. zoom they um they get that same feeling you know that yeah please somebody just Touch say me. something <laughs> to me it's okay if it's three or four and you're, you split them into small groups but 
man, if like the college there, they asked Jeffy and I to have Zoom classes with like 35 kids. I'm like, but that's insane. You can't and the silence that. is deafening. You're oh, like, hey, good morning, oh. everybody. Can you hear me? <laughs> Can anybody hear me? Yeah. You know, it's. Well, do you remember Aiden? Mm-hmm. He did the whole lesson and nobody could hear him. They didn't tell him until in the comments after <laughs> a 90 minute lesson. And after they said, Professor, we couldn't hear you. How come you didn't say something? <laughs> I, I would take that as a hint. <laughs> that was the beginning of Corona and the new, you know, Zoom for a lot of people. And even for us, I mean, it was a steep learning curve. Absolutely. Man, I crave, I crave the interaction. And my wife gets tired of, of me and, and and my mother-in-law. I mean, I can only talk so much to these guys. I need some other people to, to get out to. Yeah. So outside of this stuff, uh, I remember you're, you're well into running and... It broke my leg last year. <laughs> Hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little background on that. Okay. And then I want to hear about, you've done one ultra marathon or two? or uh, Just the one. Okay. Yeah. I want, I want to hear about that because it takes some serious commitment to get into one of those. Hey, go ahead. Dan, I'm, I'm training for the uh, training for the 10K. Going to see you. Uh, I would like to do, I think, an LSD run. Long, slow distance. Have you heard that before? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Long, slow distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go. Meets me down uh, on Tewa River. Let's go for a little one. All right. First time I ever run 20K in my entire life. <laughs> and then it was the, you know, that was... I Long think and slow. It was, yeah. The, it was the... The pace <laughs> was... I could have ran another another 20. But luckily I didn't because the next... Uh, or that might have been a Saturday or Sunday morning. Or it was Saturday morning, took the Sunday off. And then Monday... Man, get on the treadmill. I felt like my foot was broken, man. The first step I took, I went, oh, no. And I had this burning Achilles for, for months, man. But you're just, you're like the Energizer Bunny. You just keep going, dude. And what about, uh, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit um, to the ultra marathon? You've told me, uh, you've told me stories before, but I think other people would be interested in in listening to uh, mid, mid-race choco pies. Or no, no, those are too dry. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this was um. Oh, when was this? Maybe a few years ago. Now it was. I think it was just before my son was born. I just kind of wanted to do something uh, that I don't think I could do after he was born. I saw your. I saw your picture on yeah. uh, on Instagram. It was five hours fifty four. Oh, something like that. Yeah. So it that's was a good. A, that's a good pace, man. It was that's fifty kilometers. Fifty kilometers on the uh, Tewa River. You know, for Christ. for anyone who doesn't know Ulsan, there's uh, you know there's the river that runs right through the city all the way from out on the coast where all the Hyundai shipbuilding area is, and it runs the all side. the way in, in inland to where we are, <laughs> and even further out to the KTX. So there's paths and paths, and you can run forever, to be honest, and still be in in uh, in, in Ulsan. Ulsan. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, I wonder if I'll be able to 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 do this 50 50k it seems doable i've done a marathon already that's 42 right so i thought what's okay, another eight what's the, what's another eight yeah. yeah i'll go for it what was your time in the full uh under four hours yeah that was wow. the sole only um, one yeah i just did that that once and then um i decided yeah i could go a little bit further why not out us i'll see <laughs> maybe all of, you know all of ulsan but the problem was was that this was in i think Late June, early July. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was it was hot. Because you would ask us at work, didn't you? Come and supply me with goods at three in the morning or something. Well, this <laughs> is the thing. It it started at, so it started at six. 
when the sun was going down. It's still 29 degrees. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, the first 20k or something was um, was north on, not on the Tewar itself, but that um, stream that goes up past the airport. Okay. It was yeah. 10k up there towards, the, there's a home plus up there. Yeah. Uh, and, and back. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. 20k, this is no problem. And then it gets dark. And it's not cooling down much at all. Mm. But the field, <laughs> the field of, of people running with you is getting more and more sparse. Yeah. And there's just normal people out there just enjoying walking along the river in the evening. Mm. And you start realizing, or you start thinking, I'm not I even in this? a race anymore. You know, I'm not really, there's just me running and I, you feel out of place. You know, you've got the... People, you run past, you've got this number on. And they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, who's that guy? You know. <laughs> Police are chasing And my pace starts <laughs> slowing down. And suddenly this this Ajima who's doing, uh, you know, a decent pace walk yeah. is overtaking me <laughs> when I still feel like I'm <laughs> running. And, Push you know. in the river. Uh, so it was getting more and more <laughs> difficult to kind of keep going. Um, and it's just one long path. You know, it's not like you're doing corners or loops the or anything stretches, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just a huge long stretch from um, from one end of uh, the city all the way out to Sombawi, mm. past where we are now, uh, and back again. Oh. And uh, yeah, so that was it. Was pretty tough to be honest. When you're how, how close or how many people do you see? When you say it, it gets fairly sparse. I mean, can you see a guy in front of you? Well, yeah, you you. You see a couple of other people that are also, you know, running the race, but, uh, you know, no one's really overtaking each other. No one's racing. (laughs) Exactly. No one's overtaking each other. Everyone's just finding their pace. So you're not like, it's not a normal race where you see the guy in front of you and you're like, oh, that's my next goal. I'm going to overtake that guy. That's what keeps me going. Is, is right. finding that guy and saying, I got to catch it. And he's slowing down. I'm going to get can... that guy. Right. Or I'll get that guy within the next kilometer. Mm. That doesn't tend to happen on these. You know, it's not about a race anymore. It's about you versus the distance. Yeah. Right. It's just, can I finish? Yeah. And, um, you know, there was people handing out drinks and handing out, uh, I think I had a, a can of Coke at one time. Someone's handing out choco pies, like you say. Any instant energy that you can get. Right. Um, and that required you to kind of stop and slow down and, and eat. And once it got to that point, once it got to around 30 kilometers dark, stopping to eat like a choco pie. Mm. And it's just so hard to get going again. Absolutely. So that was the big difference between it and a marathon. Mentally. So how would you yeah. how would you do it different if you had to do another? Or would you do another one? And if you did, how what would you do differently? I'd like to do another one. I think um, problem is is that you have to be running three or four times a week um, for training of at least ten uh, ten kilometers a time. So getting to and from a run, everything you know, it's 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 a good hour or two three or four times a week and then your long Sunday run mm. like you say that LSD that 30 kilometers that mm. you're just kind of trudging along those are three four hours at a time so it takes a lot of preparation and things when you're 40 when you're 40k into a 50k race what mentally what are you telling yourself to to finish I uh, there's a there's a guy in my hometown he was a, an Olympic boxer and he finished Terry Fox's run 
Do you know Terry Fox? Mm-hmm. The guy who he lost his leg to cancer when he was a young guy, uh, and decided to run east to west in Canada with one prosthetic leg to raise money for cancer, and he died in Nate's hometown. They killed him. Uh, <laughs> the uh, but he he died in Thunder Bay, and we had a guy from our hometown who finished the race who started i think lots of people do it but he started in in thunder bay and and ran uh, all the way west again to raise money for cancer and he said in one of his interviews something that kind of stuck in my head someone saying oh isn't it difficult to run he said you know after a certain point every step is a decision he said every step is a decision like do i keep going do i keep going do i keep going do you do, do you feel that you know, 40, 40 K in like, Oh, I can stop right now. I want to stop or what, um, before your last 10 K, I told you the, my, my one, like, keep, you know, keep hammering or embrace the suck or, or two, <laughs> or two of the, two of the, the things that I keep telling myself. What I've, do you, I've what do heard you, that one before. embrace the suck, embrace the suck. <laughs> what do the, uh, what do you tell yourself? deep into uh deep into a race are you thinking anything are you i think i think what it is 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 that you know that you can finish it you know i i've never got to the point where i don't think i could get there okay eventually okay okay, yeah and i think it's all about your expectations in you know in terms of time what you have to realize is that when you in that ultra marathon and and you know I was finishing that. That last eight kilometers took me about an hour and a half more than it did to finish a marathon. Uh, you know, so okay, okay. those are, looking at it, those last eight kilometers, Difficult. you know, they, but that was more, you know, it was more that I gave up on the time mm. and it was just about getting finishing. to point B. So I've never been at the point where I, you know, every step is a decision. Do I quit? Yeah. It's been more like, do I walk? Okay, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> do I walk or not? Do I walk? Do I crawl? Do yeah. I, you know? Yeah. I love those. Uh, I love those triathlons. I think it was actually a Canadian guy who was who was winning the triathlon literally like ten meters. Have you seen the video? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a triathlon. It was uh, the Ironman. So that's swim close to 5k bike 180 kilometers and then run a full marathon and he did everything except like the last 25 meters and he totally collapsed and couldn't finish and couldn't finish can you imagine the the feeling of that 11 hours of just grinding you left it all there's that that's just you know yeah (laughs) well i think you won the next year which is you did as much uh, as you could right exactly yeah so i think pushing the limits well yeah that's the 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 only time i've ever not finished a race was my knee just gave out ah, okay. and i you know it was crazier to keep going you know i just couldn't physically move anymore yeah, yeah. you know if unless you're at that point yeah you just have to get to the finish line mm. there's you know it's just we talk about football before but running is even more simple yeah <laughs> it's, it's just getting to point b eventually yeah what injury do you deal with most for I mean, for me, it was the plantar fasciitis, the the bottom, the bottom right. of my foot, and the guy that you recommended me, uh, what's his name, Minos, Minos Chung. Yeah, there's a Dude, guy up in Seoul. Yeah, sorted me out. Total foot is a hundred percent fine. Haven't felt pain in, oh, in good. years. Good. Oh, since we met that one day, it was on. It was two years ago. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. What do you find is the the nagging injury that that hurts you most? 
Is it knee? Well, I think I had a, a knee problem early on. Mm. I think I was just wearing the wrong shoes, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think people have this idea that running is going to hurt you and, and, and hurt your knees, hurt your ankles and that kind of thing. But if you got the right I've been uh, lucky. The right yeah. gear. Yeah. yeah. If you got I've the been right lucky. Gear. Cool, man. DC, it's, uh, it's been a great time, man. We're about an hour and a half in. I think we're, uh, we're going to call it. I think we're going to call it a day here. Any any closing thoughts or, or comments on the K-League and, and Ulsan going into the final four legs? Oh, you've left this games? right to the end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we saw it. we got time, man. Don't worry. It's, oh, it's, man. T- it's tied. 51 points each at the top of the table, right? Three yes. games left? Four games left? So there's there's four games left. Um, Ulsan have done what they always do and... Given Make it up, interesting. They've had a, you know, we had a big league. It was a lead. It was up to five points, and we've we haven't lost. We've drawn a couple of games, but left our title rivals, John Book. We've left the door open for them, and they've got back in. And we are at fifty-one points each, as you say. Four games left, and we've still got to play them once. Um, so that's a what we call a, you know, a six-pointer. In that, if you win, you get the three points, but you also deny your opponents three points. So that'll be a big one. Um, Yeah, I am ever the optimist, to be honest. I think we're going to do it this year. Ask me again (laughs) the first week of November once it's all decided. But yeah, I I think we're going to do it this year. We, We missed out last year on the last day. That was... And it, was know, a, it was true a gross, heartbreak. A gross day. It was cold and rainy. Horrible and, uh, rainy day, <laughs> and they just threw literally threw the title away. Our goalkeeper took a throw in, trying to hurry the game up. Yeah. Uh, took a throw in and left his goal open, mm. which you never. I've never seen it before in my thirty odd years of watching <laughs> football. Um, so yeah, we we lost the title on the final day there, and it kind of looks like we might do it the same this year. But is there any chance there might be fans if it comes down to the last game or last two that they would allow fans at the stadium or no? Well, this is the thing. It's not. It's not. It's not the K League's decision. None. They'd have fans. They'd have fans there right now if they could. Okay. It's more to do with the guidelines that uh, the nation's under at the moment. I think. Uh, I think we had thirty-eight confirmed cases yesterday. Yeah, 30, it was fifty down to thirty-eight. I just but... saw that it's close to a hundred, and then we've got. Um, Chusok coming up, 100 today, and uh, Chusok coming up, who knows what's going to... I was supposed to be in Jeju. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Jeju this weekend, but we uh, we cancelled that just well, if because it comes so down, many people are going. Good. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad some people have got their head on. We've been responsible. Today. Good for you. Um, anyways, ladies and gents, get your bets in. Dan Croydon calling a big win for Ulsan. If <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do. If they if they lose, I know where he lives. I'll... Let me get in a final <laughs> plug. If you want to read about it, yeah, kleagueunited.com. Yeah, K- um, got it. Yeah, got it. We we have all the previews of all the games, podcasts, and uh, post match, and some interviews with the players. You know, if you if you want to know anything about the K League, definitely follow us kleagueunited.com we're all over Twitter and uh, me specifically I am Dolsot Dan D-O-L-S-O-T Dan is the tweeting K- about the K- well specifically about Ulsan mainly Kleague United is mostly on Twitter or the website or is it also Facebook and so we got the website um, 
and then yeah they they mainly tweet but i'm sh there's definitely uh content on k on uh facebook and also instagram yeah okay we'll post the links underneath the the file once it gets out and you guys can follow on there awesome everyone thanks for listening see you next time bye bye